Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. We want to welcome you to the Wednesday edition of the Hog Talk podcast, powered by the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson PLLC, with offices in Springdale, Fort Smith, and Ozark. And they are the oldest full-service law firm in the River Valley, as well as Bet Online, where it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contest events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. So head on over to Bet Online, use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet using our promo code BLEAV50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And with that, we will go to our Camelot Exteriors hotline and welcome in Adam Cole of the Opelika Auburn News. I hope I did not kill that name <laughs> adam opelika so opelika i i know how opelika. states in the south are about there we um i think it was step of south carolina and we just kill we said pelican instead of Pelion. and my dad's from south carolina and we got just destroyed so i apologize first and foremost to the people of no opelika so but hey second time coming on um so uh, thank you for joining us, man. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Um, both teams coming off a bye. Um, both teams similar situation, bottom of the bottom of the West, and it, it doesn't seem like um, it, it should have been that way when you start off the season. But especially with the Arkansas side of things, you know, just the expectations with the start and that Texas A&M loss with the field goal, but. You know, what, what has been the, the, I guess, coming off, how we've been coming off the losses and stuff, what, what's Auburn really tried to take out of this bye week? I know there's been some things that we'll get into with, uh, of course, co- coaching news and transfer portal news, but what, what, where's their main focus been coming into this game? So I think the, the biggest focus, if, if you're looking at just stuff that that, that team wants to, to clean up, is um, you, you look at the, the Ole Miss game, and, and it's funny because that might have been their, their best game in a, in a lot of regards. I mean, I think the most points they've put up all year, and, and they, they, you know, kind of stormed back. Um, but they gave up what might have been, like, the second most rushing yards in program history. Uh, the, the first, the biggest total was like 550 some against Ole Miss in like the fifties. And they gave up like within a hundred yards of that, um, in Oxford. And so I think, I think as far as the, the biggest things, uh, that that's something I'm definitely going to be watching. Cause I know Arkansas is pretty run heavy. Um, but, uh, th- that's certainly the biggest thing. And, and I would say too, just kind of keeping up, um, better, uh, offensive line play. It, it's been a mess all year, um, up front for them, but it, it looked a lot better in Oxford. 
Um, and so those are, those are probably the two biggest things as far as just like the X's and O's on the field that, um, they'll certainly be focused on. Um, as far as just stuff to watch with the Auburn, uh, I would say the, the, the thing that they're best at at this point is just pass defense. Um, that's, that's aged pretty well for them, but ultimately it's, it's been a struggle everywhere else. And it was a struggle for the pass defense a little bit early on too, but that, that seemed to kind of shore up. So, um, th- there's a lot. Uh, just kind of on the field that's very you never know what you're going to get with Auburn a lot of it's TBD and oftentimes it's not the best yeah and that's just the way we live in with college football today it's it, you know but you can't say or you don't know for sure and I'm sure the position you're in you know things before and, and just you've got to wait till the proper channels release it and stuff like that but mm-hmm. coming into the game you know, I'm sure on the Auburn side, really, with KJ coming back being healthy, you got Rocket Sanders, Dominion, and then of course on Auburn side, you got Tank. I mean, it's kind of like what it used to be like in the old days with Darren McFadden and, and then uh, Cadillac Williams. Kind of like those matchups we used to see back in the day. So, how, what what would be the biggest key to when it comes to stopping the run? from Auburn side stopping Arkansas, are they really keying on KJ first or you think they're going to put more emphasis on Rocket? That's a good question. Um, I, I think, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. And I wonder what they learned from that, that old Miss game because you, you had three guys in, in Evans, Judkins, and Dart that all – I think they all broke 100 yards. And, and uh, Arson got asked about that this week, just the similarities he sees with, with Jefferson and, uh, and Dart. And, I mean – they both run and throw pretty well, but I mean, I think the big difference is KJ Jefferson is just, you know, a monster of a man like that. That guy is huge. And so, um, you know, I, I would imagine that, that they go back to, to rocket first, just, you know, considering that's like the level one of it all, so to speak, that's your guy that you're supposed to hand the ball off to. And then you kind of go from there. But, um, I, I do think that they might be in for a bit of trouble just considering the similarities to Ole Miss. Um, and who knows, maybe an extra week helped. Um, you know, Harson's pretty mum on on injuries, and I, I can't think of anything up front as far as, as guys that were really banged up or kind of out, but I would imagine an extra week helped. Um, but but they really need that that front seven to, to I think, step up in, in ways that they haven't, um, you know, in, at least in recent weeks. Um but as far as keying in, you know, I'd, I'd imagine they 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 start at the base at least from <laughs> at least from everything Harson talks about. But um, I, I do think Jefferson KJ Jefferson has the potential to kind of tear off a big game. And staying on the off Auburn defensive side of things for a second, and just knowing that Arkansas has shown flashes of of a passing game and with Knox and you know deep threats with Hazelwood, you know what what has you know. I know everybody wants to do go run first against Arkansas, but you still in a in the back of your mind got to think of the balanced attack that Arkansas has. So, w- what are they really keying on when it comes to the passing attack? Of what are they watching for when it comes to guarding Arkansas with when it comes to the pass defense? I would assume that the, the two names you mentioned those are those are probably the biggest guys that I'm sure they're keeping an eye on. And, and you look at you look at what they have in pass coverage. Um, I'd say in the first place, like the three names that come to mind are DJ James, who transferred in from Oregon this offseason. Um, he's a cornerback who just he's he's looked good even when Auburn has looked terrible um, against Penn State. I think he got target. I think he got thrown at like twelve times and 
I want to say he only had like two receptions given up or one reception. He's, he's been great. Um, and so he'll be out on the edge. Um, Donovan Kaufman um, has looked great at safety. Um, it seems like he's always at the end of plays. Um, that's just one thing I've, I've noticed with him. He's a Vanderbilt transfer who's kind of, you know, he's settled in. This is, I think, year two at Auburn for him. And then um, kind of the wild card, uh, I would say, is, is Keontae Scott, um, who a lot of times you see kind of take up that, that nickel position. Um, he, he transferred in from Snow College, which is really prestigious Juco. Um, and it's funny because Auburn got the number one Juco guy this offseason in, in Jeffrey Emba, who's, you know, this, this Frenchman personality who was at Indy, which is, you know, last chance you and his hair is green and he's a character. But Keontae Scott was number two. Keontae Scott was right behind him. And Keontae, it was really funny, actually, in the fall, he got here late. Um, and like within the week, he was working with the first team. And, and apparently, like his first two days, he had interceptions. Um, and everyone was talking about how he just kind of picked it right up. Um, his pass coverage numbers, I know like the first few weeks, if, if you're going by like PFF or whatever, um, his grades weren't stellar in pass coverage, but he made some really great plays kind of up front and kind of, you know, when they rushed him. Uh, he had a couple, I want to say against like, I want to say it was against San Jose State. He had some really impressive stuff where he was blitzing. Um, but he's kind of a wild card. He's got all the talent in the world. Um, but, you know, as, as far as him and pass coverage, it's we'll see. Um, but those are, those are really probably the three biggest names to watch as, as far as guys in the secondary. Um, and, and as far as what they're keying in on, I, I have no doubt, you know, when you've got an X factor like Knox, uh, that's pretty big. And, and of course, Hazelwood, um, you know, was a coveted name this off season and for good reason. Um, so, uh, yeah. So what's been the biggest thing with the team, you know, especially with all the off field distractions, how does, all these names that you keep mention them stay on top of their game, really stay impacted and not really let that noise get to them. What have, what have they been doing to try to stop that? I, I've been really impressed uh, by just like the, as cliche as it is, the fight, um, you know, of course, like the Ole Miss game, they were down, I think 21, nothing. And they came back Um the Penn state game kind of broke open in a way that the Georgia game broke open too. Um, and for three quarters, they kept it pretty close in Athens with Georgia. Um, you know, it's just like, it's been, it's been such a weird year because it's like the, the product on the field has, if you didn't have all the outside distraction, you might wonder how close they are. Um, but then you look at all of that and, and, you know, you, you wonder how much it affects, what's going on. Um, but I think for the players, um, for as much as we've been able to talk to them, somebody actually, somebody sent me the other day. I think we've talked to, we've talked to the team captains, like, Oh gosh. Um, I, I want to say like, they, they've been the guys that we've talked to the bulk of the time. So Owen Papo, John Samuel Shanker, Derek Hall, they tend to be the mouthpieces and we've only talked to so many guys outside of that. But, um, you know, they, those three guys tend to keep their heads on pretty straight. Um, and, and as far as the distractions, it seemed to calm lately, but, uh, I know like we were kind of talking about before it, it's kind of picked back up because in the last, last four days, um, and, uh, you know, excuse me, last four guys in the last three days, um, have all, you know, left the program or it's become public knowledge. And so that's kind of heating back up. Um, and so, you know, you wonder how much it might impact things moving forward. Um, but uh, we'll see. I mean, this will be the week where, where you see just how much that, that outside distraction really maybe impacts stuff. But, uh, you know, to this point, at least, it, it 
you wonder how much it's impacted it, but some days hasn't really looked like it. So, um, yeah. I've said this a couple of games when it comes to the Arkansas side of things, it's both teams are coming into similar situations and both teams like with this, this is a pivotal turnaround for either team. You're both sitting at one and three. Arkansas is trying to get back to nine wins again. This is a pivotal turnaround because we've seen what LSU's done in their turnaround. Seen what Liberty done to BYU. That could have been a laugher, but now you got to take that game more seriously. Then they have Ole Miss and then Missouri. So, really, when you talk about guys leaving halfway through the season and and that downward spiral that you're already um, in, kind of, you know, and you said things kind of tampered down a little bit, now they're picking back. What do you think that does to the coach that – you know, he's basically, I guess, in a sense, fighting for his life, fighting for his team. The team stands behind him, and then you have guys leave. So do you think that's in a sense of he'll never admit, but it's like a gut punch to him? Or or what what effect do you think that has on him? I'm, I'm sure that, that it has an impact on, on Brian Harson. Um, you know, after the Penn State loss, he, he got some questions. Um, it, it, you know, after the losses, it seems like he, he kind of gets the questions. And, and it's not like he doesn't answer them, you know, for what it's, for what it's worth. He, he'll look you in the eye and answer it. Um, and so kind of commend him almost for that. But uh, I, I would imagine it, it certainly has an impact. Um, I know it was funny. after The week after the Penn State loss, um, there was just a lot of like, it was almost contention. Uh, it seemed like, and, and I mean, you know, fair enough, stressful situation. I can't even imagine probably has half the stuff that he's got to deal with in, in being on a hot seat like that. But it's, um, you haven't seen it as much since that week. It's, it's been a very different tone and the Missouri law, the Missouri win, I think kind of helped, you know, smooth some of that over. But, you know, since then it's, it's, you know, it's been, I want to say it's it's been a loss every game since. So you know it, it's been it's been pretty flat. But I would imagine it, it takes an impact, and it's it's very much like fighting for his life. And it it seems like it's just a week at a time at this point. And I think a lot of people see it more as a win than if that that the, the coaching situation is going to change because things have regressed um, under him. Uh, and you look at the the players leaving now too um, today. Uh, players number nine and ten from the. 2021 recruiting class his first here um, that was an 18 man class players nine and ten uh have departed uh so more than half of that class is gone mm. um so guys that he recruited uh hasn't held on to numbers haven't improved um you know and so it's it's you know it's obviously it's a cutthroat industry but um things haven't improved he doesn't seem to be able to hold on to the guys that he's recruiting and so you know it, it a lot of people probably consider this week must win for, for Brian Harson and, and I don't really blame him for it. Um, you know, but there have been other opportunities for them to make that decision and make that call earlier this year. And they haven't. And so you wonder why, um, you know, you wonder they don't have an, they don't have an AD right now. Um, are they waiting to, to get their full-time guy in place before they move on the head football coach? Um, it's, it's a wonder. And, and again, we'll, we'll see what happens this week. It, it might leave Auburn fans wondering more. Um, but it's it's very much a week-to-week thing uh, here on the Plains at this point. So coming into this game against Arkansas that Auburn's had a lot of success in, haven't lost since 2015, do you think that creates an edge when you're coming into a game knowing that you've had success that, I mean, expect, I know Arkansas is a better team this year, but just from a head coach's perspective of you haven't, beat, you haven't lost to them since 2015, so – 
it almost adds more pressure, but yet on the team, it's like, all right, we have these guys' number. We all remember what happened two years ago in Auburn. So it's almost like that gives them some confidence of a win when you look on there. It helps move them moving forward. I, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure that is, is where those, those conversations and those team meetings are focusing is the fact that, like, you know, that, that has been a game that they've won and they've had no problem winning, and I'm, I'm sure they're focusing on the positive. I, I have no doubt in my mind, but you, you look at um, just the way the, the narrative kind of flips if this is a loss, uh, you look at it, I'm sure it will be talked at from, a, from an outside perspective. Um, if I'm right, you know, not only is this the first loss in, in six-some years to Arkansas, but I think all of a sudden, except for, like, well, no, it's within the SEC West, um, suddenly they'll have a one-game losing streak to, if I believe, right, every team in the SEC West. Um, and so mm-hmm. it just, again, it just kind of adds to, you know, there are some numbers that we've seen this year that um, it's stuff like that. There are a lot of numbers that end up going back to it's the worst since 2012. And, um, you know, all Auburn fans and, and a lot of folks nationally know that that was the, that was the three and nine year under Chiswick that, that got him fired two years after, you know, a national title. Um, and I, I know a lot of folks here talk to me about like, that was just like the dark days. It was like the, the bubonic plague of Auburn. And when these numbers start going back to that year, a lot of people start looking and they're like, wait a minute. And so to have another number slide in that direction probably isn't great, but I, I have no doubt the team doesn't talk much about that. Um, but it's, you know, it's just, again, it's another number piling on top that, that just makes it look like sort of almost omens. So and with Auburn's passing attack, you know, what, what do you think that they're really trying to nail down? Because that is Arkansas's biggest weakness when it comes on defense. So if they were to really, say, get stuffed, you know, they Arkansas contains tank, what, what are they going to be their weapons on offense when it comes to uh, getting past Arkansas in the passing game? Um. You, you look at the names, um, they really like, uh, I, I mentioned earlier, John Samuel Shanker, their, their tight end. They really like throwing to him. Um, it, admittedly, I'm, I'm not sure why, um, you know, they, they tend to dink and dunk with him more than anything, but he gets, he ends up getting the ball a lot. Um, Coy Moore, an LSU transfer has looked pretty good for them. Um, you know, Shed Jackson's another guy who they tend to go to. Um, but, it's been really, um, it's been really like feast or famine passing for them. Um, I think like the best performance they've had was in that LSU loss. And Robbie Ashford is Robbie Ashford uh, to me. Like I just, I, I wish we could see him with an all SEC offensive line because he's got the athletic ability. Um, he's got the arm strength. Um, the decision-making hasn't always looked stellar, but then sometimes he makes throws and you're like, dang, like that's, that's impressive. Um, but, uh, at this point it's just been really inconsistent and I wonder how much of that is the offensive line play, but, um, you know, he also tends to help drop back, you know, take three seconds. And then if it's not there, suddenly he's looking out and he's looking to get out of the pocket. Now he makes, you know, sometimes great plays on, on broken plays, but, um, you know, not every play is a broken play. And so um, the pass game, it'll be interesting. I, I, want, I wonder if they'll ever top the performance that they had against LSU. But um, I, at this point, and especially, I, I do wonder how much kind of those, just the, the transfer announcements and, and stuff like that, I wonder how much of an impact that'll have. But it's, 
I, I don't know how much they can really lean on that that passing attack. I think if they want to do anything, they're going to have to get it to the running backs. And if they do anything in the passing attack, um, Jarquez Hunter has been a guy too. Uh, uh, they're, they're number two running back um, who they've found some pretty big scores with. I know Georgia, he had a big touchdown. Um, and then I want to say Ole Miss too. He had kind of the same thing, sort of a 60-some yard touchdown grab. So, you know, they tend to not go directly to their receivers when they're throwing it, but um, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of inconsistent like big play, short play, big play, no play, so on and so forth. So it's it's not a necessarily a super reliable thing, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see if that changes against maybe a, a, a weaker pass defense unit. Well, we'll move to Tank. You know, and he's a junior. So, and with the the uncertainties at coach, you know, and, and if he's going to come back next year, if the coach is going to, you know, how much do you think is on him to really either, hey, I'm playing for the coach, to really put this team on his back to prove to NFL scouts that uh, he, he's, he should be up there with B. John Robinson at, at Texas. I know Arkansas had some good success defending a, a running back like, Robinson last year so you know what kind of message is he trying to send and what do you think that will have an impact on this game Saturday um I I wonder how much momentum he get he can ride from from the Oxford uh performance because I want to say that was his best game this year I want to say it's like 200 plus rushing yards um for him um and he just looked good and and I mean he does that you know you you watch him and He'll do stuff that just kind of – there was one play, I think it was – he had a couple 50-yard runs in Oxford, and there was one where he started going left, and I kid you not, like ended up just based on the turn radius, I want to say it was like almost a 45-degree angle and almost cut directly right and then up, and it was just 50 yards. Um, it was impressive to see somebody do that between the tackles. He's got the talent, um, and he's – you know I, I'm sure that he will impress NFL scouts, and like he could – get drafted this year regardless of you know how poorly his production goes for the rest of the year assuming it 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 is poor but um he has been you know in the little that we've talked to him I think last time last week was the first time we've talked to him since the start of the year um you know so he he wasn't uh you know he wasn't he didn't have his head down he wasn't you know uh, short. Uh, he wasn't passive aggressive. Um, he's he's had a pretty clear message that you know he's he's sticking to it, and um, you know they're they're going to need to lean on production like him from a guy. But uh, kind of when we talk about the offense, I've, I've talked about it last week in our sort of we do picks and predictions every week uh, with the OA, and uh, we had a, a question about like you know who who gives the offense the best chance at scoring points, and I just said like. I, I don't know how much of a discussion that can be had about that until you talk about like, you know, how much better the, the offensive line can get and mid season, you know, how much better can an offensive line really get? I'm sure those guys are beat up. They're exhausted. Um, you know, you've got guys like Nick Brahms who was a six year center who had to medically retire at the start of the year. And suddenly you're putting in a guy who hadn't had a snap in a year and Tate Johnson and he's 285 pounds and people are questioning his weight. And then he goes down with a season ending injury. And so now you're, you're swapping between, you know, Brandon Council at center and Jaleel Irvin, and it's just it's it's a mess up front. And so, for as much as you know, Tank had a great game last week. I, I wonder if it was a fluke, um, and I wonder how much he'll be able to keep that up, just considering the state of the offensive line. But um, if they want to win, that's that's a guy that they need to you know get the ball to and, and have him moving and, and having success for sure. 
So, you know, someone who's covered this team for a long time and, and knowing where the program's at, you know, how, how worried are you as, you know, this program moving forward, are you coming into this game? Like, how just to how it, the importance of this game and this program? I, I mean, I would say it's certainly a make-or-break uh, sort of thing for the Harson tenure, the Harson era here. Because, um, like I said, you know, the statistically, things haven't improved. Um, yeah, he can't seem to hold on to guys that he's recruited. Um, and, uh, you know, another loss is – I was talking to a friend about this today because, like I said, it seems like if this is a win situation, you know, just a matter of when he, you know, has a change in his job status, it seems like the, the matter – of uh, getting an athletic director in here would be prevalent just considering the fact that they haven't hired somebody since Alan Green resigned right before the season. Um, I wonder how fine the line is between that and the program not finding success for them to, to you know, make a move on Harson if that's the way it's all shaking out hypothetically. Um, and and I, I wonder, I, I think a loss this week would be very plausible in terms of making that decision. Um, cause like we talked about, you know, they've, they've got the, they've got Arkansas's number for the last half decade. And, and if that's just another mark where, where Harson, you know, can't, can't hold that it's, it's again, it just, it, it you add it to the pro con list. And, um, I don't know that I'm necessarily like worried for the, the, the football program. I don't think there's any reason for Auburn fans to worry if they decide to move on from Harson because, um, it's been really interesting since, since getting here. Um, you know, I'm from Kansas originally, went to school at Missouri. I, you know, was in Little Rock for, for about eight months. And um, I always had the outside perspective on Auburn. And when you're, when you're looking at it from outside, it, it looks nuts. And, you're, you know, everyone talks about the boosters and the chaos and Jetgate and all that. And it makes enough sense from the outside. But then you get here and you kind of start to talk to people and you realize that, like, it's not necessarily that the expectation is to beat Georgia and Alabama every single year but the expectation is to compete with them and when you think about it that way it, it, it becomes a lot different because yeah of course compete on the field but you know recruit well against them too and just like put up you know so to speak a good fight and at the end of the day when you, if you're competing with them year in year out you're bound to beat them at least once or twice in uh, however many years span and um i think that makes this job really marketable um i i think they'll have a long list of, of candidates who'd be interested in this job and, and guys who could do a great job here. Um, you know, certainly unfortunate for a coach to not work out because, you know, there's families involved, there's players who committed to that guy. It's just, there's a lot of negative fallout, but um, I don't think the program will be in terrible, terrible jeopardy for a long time, maybe in the short term. Um, but I, I think that if, Hob if Auburn decides to move on from Harson, they'll be able to find somebody who can very much come in and, do the job and, and do it well for quite a while. And with so many, you know, there's been so many coaching changes in the SEC, and, and you hear the, you know, how many coaches have been here since Saban. With the addition to Texas and OU and you not really knowing the what's going to become of the SEC, I mean, how much harder is it going to be to get that quality coach knowing that they're going to be thrown to the fire of not only you got – Auburn, I mean, you got Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU's coming up. I mean, how much harder do you think it's going to be get to get these guys to want to come coach in the SEC, knowing especially your tenure might be three years and out? I think depending on the, the, the candidate, 
I almost think that the additions of those teams can make it more lucrative. Um, because too, like, I mean, we don't know, we don't know the, the floor, the ceiling of Oklahoma or Texas in the SEC. And it's such a weird thing. Cause I go back to like, I mean, when Mizzou came into the league, it was like, what? Yeah. It was like, all of a sudden they were top of the SEC East for a couple of years and they have not reached that height since, but it's like, would Texas do that? You know, I mean, Texas was in the top 25 for a little bit earlier this year. Oklahoma seems to be just falling apart, but does it, does it come back together? We don't basically I don't know that, that we necessarily know like where they're going to be. And I'm sure that divisions will realign. There's a question of, you know, like, do they go to pods? Um, the, the conference scheduling, is it eight or nine games? If it's, if I'm right, if it goes down to eight games for Auburn, suddenly like Georgia's not on their schedule every year. And that, you know, that makes it way, that makes it a lot easier to win if Kirby Smart's there for the rest of his career. Um, so I, I think just depending on the candidate that you're looking at, I, I do think that it can become more lucrative because, you know, I, it, money makes the world go around in this industry. Um, and, and when you add two programs of that, I guess, financial caliber, we should say, um, I, I think it's going to make any other job in this conference a lot more lucrative and a lot more enticing for, for any candidate. And um, sure, it could be difficult if Texas and Oklahoma come in and they're just kicking rear left and right. But um you know, I would I would imagine that even at that degree, there will be people out there who who find the job more desirable if if suddenly you know you throw Texas and Oklahoma into the top of the SEC, um, for sure. So, what do you see if if you can't give a prediction? What what's your prediction? And if Auburn was to be the one that comes out on top, what would be the number one key for an Auburn victory? Um, I think if. And it's really funny because for the longest time with the predictions, um, I was, I was going low, you know, Auburn just did, it didn't seem like they could find the end zone in a single game. And so after last week, it's a little different. Um, I, I would imagine it's going to be low scoring again, um, just with the way that, that it all shakes out, you know, Auburn or Arkansas, you know, having success up front and, and, um, Auburn relying on the run. And so um, I, I guess like I, as far as a score prediction, um, if, if I had to give it anything, um, I, I guess we'll throw 17 to nine out there. You know, uh, I, Auburn maybe finds the end zone once or it's three field goals. Um, either way, that seems plausible. And, and I could see it being a lot like the LSU and the Missouri games where it's just, you know, absolute stalemate right until the very end. Um, that's what it seems like. Uh but you know, again, like who knows? And I and I think too, if if Auburn wants to come out on top, um, I think the biggest thing is that like they have to find a way to just get some production on offense and get production that that matches. Because you look at the you look at the old Miss game two weeks ago, and it's like you know if they hadn't given up twenty one points, um, it might be a little different turnovers too that's the other thing Auburn has not played clean football all year Robbie Ashford has the second most fumbles of any player in the FBS um I want to say Auburn has the second most interceptions of any school in the SEC um this team has been sloppy uh with the ball and so if they want to win they've got to find an outlet for production but they also have to take care of things um, and so at the end of the day, those, those are two things that they haven't proven themselves consistently capable of doing. Um, so I think it's, a, I think it's a large hill for them to climb. Um, but, uh, if they do it, I think those are the two biggest things you got to look at. 
Well, Adam, man, it's all as always. It's been great. I appreciate your time and good luck to your your Auburn Tigers on the rest of the season. And and maybe hopefully, you know, no more craziness happens. But looking forward to interesting matchup on a uh, Saturday. But tell all, all of our fans where they can find you and and what to be looking forward to in the game. Yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter at Cole Reporter. Uh, that's Cole, my last name, and then the word reporter, all one word. Um, you can also find uh, my editor uh, slash our, our columnist over at the OA News, uh, Justin Lee, is at by Justin Lee. And uh, we'll have updates from the game. Um, if you want to read any of our stuff, um, you can head to oanow.com. Um, we've got plenty of stuff coming on there. And um, you know, we're updating it daily with, with football coverage. And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely where you can find us. All right. Well, that will do it for another Wednesday episode of the Hog Talk podcast. We'll be back Sunday night to recap a hopeful Arkansas win over Auburn. And we will catch you. And as always, we are presented by Bet Online and the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. Thank you. And we'll see you Sunday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.